0: Welcome back to the Startup Showdown podcast, where we discuss pitching, funding, and scaling startups. Join us as we interview winners, mentors, and judges of the monthly $120,000 pitch competition powered by Panoramic Ventures. We also discuss the latest updates in software, Web3, healthcare tech, fintech, and more. Now sit tight as we interview this week's guests and their journey through entrepreneurship.
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Startup Showdown podcast, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Panoramic Ventures. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Startup Showdown, we have Catherine O'Day with Atlanta Ventures. Welcome, Catherine.
0: Lee, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Well, I'm excited to be talking to you. For those who aren't familiar, can you share a little bit about Atlanta Ventures and how you're serving folks?
0: Absolutely. At Atlanta Ventures, we empower entrepreneurs to start, grow, and learn. We found companies out of our venture studio. We do early stage investment in tech subscription companies. And then we are passionate about paying it forward. So we do tons of events, blogs, podcasts, anything to help entrepreneurs grow amazing businesses.
1: Now, what is your backstory? How'd you get involved in this line of work?
0: Yep. I, so I am a Spanish major, uh, who liberal arts degree, who found her way into tech. So, so it was just a logical <laughs> logical
1: path that other Spanish majors go through,
0: right? Exactly, exactly. Um, I, I stumbled into, into the Atlanta tech scene um, a decade and a half ago. And the company that I joined was Pardot. Um, which was an amazing story here in Atlanta, and was acquired by Salesforce. Uh, and then I went on to be a COO at another tech company acquired by Splunk, and um, and then I I turn, I guess they say turn to the dark side to join venture. (laughs) Um, But, but throughout all of that, I had worked closely with David Cummings, who founded Atlanta Ventures, and his passion aligned with my passion, which is helping entrepreneurs. And so um, that's how I ended up at Atlanta Ventures.
1: Now you use the word dark side, and I know you were kidding around, but um, (laughs) from uh, a lot of um, startup founders listen to this, and um, can you give some insight into, since you've been on both sides of the desk yeah. there, can you give some insights into um, maybe the mindset of a VC and how, um, you know, what you would have maybe done differently if you would have known that as you were uh, an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and a startup founder, you know, not, maybe not a founder, but at least at the uh, earliest stages of a startup, you know, kind of give some Empathetic perspective from the founder's standpoint of what of what a, uh, a VC is looking for, and and really kind of red flags, yellow flags, green lights uh, when it comes to their pitch.
0: Sure. So, what VCs VCs have bosses; they have investors that they need to um, show returns to, and so. VCs want to invest in something that's going to show big returns. And the thing I think um, what sometimes people don't understand is that there's amazing companies of all shapes and sizes, but there's only a small subset that is that hits the qualifications for VC investment. And what VCs look for is they look for really big markets. They look for really big opportunities. So people build amazing businesses in, um, you know, $10 million businesses or $50 million businesses. And those are amazing, um, but they don't always have the scale that VCs are looking for. So I think the biggest learning from being on this side of the table is you, um, really to think about the market and the idea and how big the market is going to be. And also that competition isn't scary. Competition validates that it's a great idea. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of room for winners in that space.
1: Yeah, I think that kind of the managing of the expectations is important in this, that it VCs are looking for kind of home runs or grand slams and your mm-hmm. thing might be a great lifestyle business. It might be a great small to midsize business, but it may not be mm-hmm. appropriate for a VC. So don't take it personally. It's, you know, it, you know, just kind of be what you are rather than uh, getting frustrated by the process or feeling like, you know, it's ju- you know, they don't get me or they don't understand.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly it.
1: So now, when you are working uh, with an entrepreneur, can you share a little bit about how, um, I know you help them by giving them funds a lot of times, but really, I would think the more important uh, aspect of the partnership with a VC is kind of the connections and the um, help to make their business the best it can be. Can you share a little bit about how you help an entrepreneur kind of bring out the most value from their startup?
0: Yes. We like to ask a lot of questions. Um, We think that, so first of all, every entrepreneur is different and we want to play to their strengths and we want them to be their best self. So we want to kind of, there's not a playbook that we use for everybody. It's what's right for based on this entrepreneur's personality and their goals. So that's the framework that we look at our, you know, anybody that we're trying to help and, then what we found also is it doesn't help to tell people like people don't want to be told, Um, you know, so if people ask a question, we'll always answer it honestly. And then we like to ask a lot of questions to help people think through things and, you know, make sure they see all sides of the problem or they are looking at all avenues um, for that. So we find it's really every, every, investor is going to have good connections. Most investors have lots of experience themselves. At Atlanta Ventures, we are all we all have a startup background. So, you know, we come from deep startup experience. We're not the quote-unquote spreadsheet jockeys, um, but the so that's the the lens from which we look at things and how we try to help entrepreneurs.
1: Now, uh, when an entrepreneur is kind of going on this adventure, um, one of the most kind of foundational things, uh, that they have to do is to kind of pick a market and, uh, when they get started, right. So how do you help them, uh, hone in on maybe that ideal customer or that, uh, market that is ripe for a solution that they might be working on?
0: We like to look at markets in terms of what is going to be really big, a multi-billion dollar market in the next three to five years. Some of those markets are not big markets yet, but they will be. An example of that is the creator economy. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but it's still gonna get even bigger. So what are tools that... Um, freelancers, people working remotely, uh, people uh, doing solo entrepreneurship, what are what does that ecosystem look like in three to five years? That's an example of how we would think about a market. The other piece, of course, is founder market fit. So what things are is a founder passionate about because they're going to be doing this business for the next decade of their life. So we want it to be interesting and exciting for them every day. Um, and then the other piece is, once you identify a market, to how do you find the authentic demand within the market? And we talk a lot about authentic demand. And that's where people are polling you, customers are polling you, they will pay you before you've built the product, they will pay you even when there's a lot of bugs in your product. And so that's the other piece that we're always looking for is we think there's a big market. What's the right slice to start with in this market where the pain is most acute?
1: But can we just kind of pause on that one for a second? When you're talking about authentic demand and you're using the words pay you, um, so you have to kind of discern between... Oh, a lot of people are following me or liking me, where there's no skin in the game, you know, where they're just saying, "Yeah, thumbs up." You're, I, I want that, and the difference between I pay for that, so it's it's better to have um, people paying you, obviously, than just liking you. Um, so, is that kind of one of your signals that maybe you're onto something when they are more more apt to pay rather than just you know just like or just say, yeah, that sounds good. When you get it built, then I'll buy it.
0: Exactly. We recommend a book called The Mom Test. And the idea behind The Mom Test is that if you ask for feedback on your idea, everyone is going to tell you they like your idea. Everybody, like your mom, is going to say, oh, that's wonderful, honey. But what you really want to do is ask questions about people's pain and what problems they have, and then see if it's painful enough that they would pay you money to fix the pain. So one of the key criteria that we look at is, do you have unaffiliated paying customers that love your product? Um, One of the mistakes that we see people make is, they have such optimism and belief and vision, which is amazing, but it, it leads them to a path where they say, I'm going to build it and then people will come. And the, the joke is like, what's the best way to fund your company to get customers to pay you? And so if, if a customer is willing to pay you for your product, you know, you're onto something that should be your first test. Don't build anything until somebody says that they will pay you and that, and they'll give you that money upfront and then you can start building.
1: Now, when you are um, kind of growing in that manner, that tends to be obviously slower in some respects because you're kind of going out to the market and, and f- having to find these early adopters, the people that are willing to take that kind of a risk without seeing something that's real. How do you kind of go about identifying those early adopters? And then once you have that pool of them, how do you kind of um, adjust? to get beyond the early adopters to get to more of a mass appeal.
0: Yes. So your early adopters are hopefully the people that you have done customer discovery with that you've interviewed to understand what their pain is. And the pain again is so acute that they're willing to take a chance on you um, or on an unproven product because it's worth it to solve the problem. Um, in terms of how do you how do you scale to the next level well once you have customer case studies uh, you know enough customers that you have reference customers then it becomes easier and easier to bring on um, some of the people in the middle who are not quite the early adopters and we saw that a lot at Pardot where you know i started part out when we had 80 customers and by the time i left we had hundreds of customers and so that um, that second wave of customers you know i think the key there is giving them an amazing customer experience and then also always be listening to what your customers are asking for and what they need and then to continue to build for the 80% of your customer base. Um, If you get too sucked into doing one-offs for edge cases, that can be a big distraction. But if you stay focused on your core customer and solving 80% of their problems, um, you are going to be in a great spot to be able to scale.
1: And that tends to be kind of a trap for the technology-driven uh, founder, where they like to add more, like, "Oh, it wouldn't be great if it did this." Oh, wouldn't it be <laughs> great if it did this? And then all of a sudden, the the scope of the project and the product is so maybe it's diminished from that eighty percent that you should be focusing in on.
0: It's a it's a trap for for technologists and everyone, especially people who care about their customers and they want to say yes and they want to help people. So, it's really a trap for everyone and it takes a ton of discipline to say no and you have to keep your eye on the prize to be able to understand what to say yes to and what to say no to. Uh, we we talk a lot about, you know, if it doesn't if 80% of your customers won't use this feature, if you need at least 80% of your customers to use the feature to build it. So, if only 20% will use it, then you better have a really, really, really important business justification to do it.
1: Now, for you, what's the most rewarding part about uh, working with these kind of early stage uh, founders and entrepreneurs? Uh, Like in your job now, I'm sure you're dealing with lots of them, whereas when you were in a startup, it was just heads down like a laser, just focusing on the task at hand. So, these are different I guess, different types of skills, maybe and different types of um, rewards that you're getting at the end of the day.
0: I, I, I absolutely love my work. It is so fun to talk to people who are insanely smart, insanely optimistic, they're passionate about changing the world and that's who I interact with all day every day. And so I love being on the building side too, like building there's nothing more rewarding than building a company. And now on a side where there's nothing more rewarding than talking to amazing people changing the world every day. So my favorite part is is literally just being surrounded in a in a world of people who are building the future.
1: And then, uh, when you're around those people, it's hard to be kind of cynical and pessimistic, right? You're these people are, you know, let's run through the wall every day. So you get kind of caught up in the emotion of that. Um, that's uh, every day you probably feel like, wow, this was a good day.
0: Yes. Every day I come home and I'm so fired up and, and then I have to, uh, well, I was going to, and then I and then i I'm, and then I have crying kids, and sometimes the other no life interrupts.
1: So, do you tend to look at your children as a startup?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I actually, there's a lot of lessons in both situations where it's about a lot of patience, a lot of longevity, and looking towards the looking towards the future, <laughs> and letting that drive you and keep you focused even through the ups and downs. <laughs> So there's, there's a ton of parallels there.
1: So now, how did you uh, get involved with Startup Showdown and the Panoramic?
0: I love this story because I think it speaks to the connected nature of startups, of Atlanta especially. And I knew Tammy McQueen when she worked at Salesloft, And I was working at Pardot and Rigor, And so we were all of the atlanta ventures family of portfolio companies and so i knew tammy really well um, through like her marketing efforts she was fantastic and then it was really fun once we both ended up in the investing world to like reconnect and i mean what she was what they're doing with um startup showdown is just tremendous and it's an amazing program
1: And then um, for founders that are getting involved in Startup Showdown uh, across the country, any advice for them to get the most out of the experience?
0: That's a great question. I think, you know, asking, uh, putting your best foot forward. So being prepared and everyone is. And then, um, you know, getting the feedback from the judges and uh, taking that to heart, and then you know, founders do get a lot of feedback from everywhere. So it's important to to listen and then see what works for your company.
1: And um, for for you at Atlanta Ventures, what's next? Uh, what do you need more of, and how can we help?
0: I love that. Thank you. Uh, what I am passionate about is helping entrepreneurs. Um, we're always looking to partner with entrepreneurs in our venture studio. So if there's any entrepreneurs listening that um, are looking for their next company idea, they've started something before, they know they want to start something else, um, but they're trying to find an idea or a market that, that matches, um, we'd love to talk to them.
1: And then if they want to learn more and connect with you or Atlanta Ventures, what's the website or the best coordinates?
0: AtlantaVentures.com and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter and I'm also at CatherineOday.substack.com. It's called the ODaily. Very, very punny.
1: <laughs> and what do you talk about on that?
0: I talk about practical advice for startups and sometimes some life advice mixed in because startups (laughs) and life are very intertwined.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Lee. It was wonderful to be on the show and what Startup Showdown and Panoramic is doing is just amazing.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Startup Showdown.
0: As always, thanks for joining us and don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Startup Showdown podcast so you get the latest episode as it drops wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more and apply to our next Startup Showdown pitch competition, visit showdown.vc. That's showdown.vc. All right, that's all for this week. Goodbye for now.